the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Oral Sessions. It's a brand new episode of Oral Sessions. Listen, we I would like to say that we kind of knocked it out of the park. In terms of leading up to WrestleMania, you know, when you've got Cesaro on, victorious for the first time in singles action at WrestleMania against Seth Rollins. Do we have something to do with that? I don't know. Uh, but here comes a conspiracy is that the next episode we have is Rhea Ripley. Now, the Raw Women's Champion at WrestleMania defeating Asuka. We have back-to-back victorious Winners, that's redundant, but it's a word I'm going with. Are we good luck charm? It kind of feels that way. I feel that way. Rub on this belly, y'all, because it's good luck, baby. Uh, so, okay. WrestleMania is behind us. It's in the rearview mirror. Uh, we did our WrestleMania recap. It was a lot of fun being able to go on Instagram Live. I know the first night was a touch of a doozy, uh, but it's okay. We figured it out, guys. We all make mistakes. We're learning as we go. It's fine. And the next night we made up for it because we had no audio issues. We're growing in leaps and bounds. Now we are back on track. Now we have, you know, come up for air out of the whirlwind that is WrestleMania, especially when it's back to back nights and the week leading up to it, the Monday after we've got NXT on Tuesday now. Anyways, it's all WWE things. It's all great. We've got a bunch of more WWE guests coming up that are going to be fantastic. But what we're moving into now is, I think, a consistent trio of winners now. I feel like we can add this woman onto the list of who's going to be knocking people's heads off. And that is none other than Misha Tate. Yes, we got Misha Tate on oral sessions. Uh, she's here in Las Vegas. I should have just invited her over to the house. Uh, we had a hell of a, a hell of a chit chat afterwards about doulas and giving birth. And uh, she had a lot of insight for me. Very smart. But anyways, having on Misha Tate was amazing. I mean, after she announces uh, coming out of retirement, she's moved back from Singapore. She is back in the United States of America, and she's ready to absolutely destroy anybody that gets in her path. This was such a cool conversation because she was so candid, so open, so honest. You know, we talk about her past relationship, the bad headspace that she was in. When she decided that she was going to retire, she's had so much going on and she needed to take care of herself. And, you know, we, we often say we need to take care of ourselves. I need to have give myself a little moment. She actually did that. You know, she really needed to do that because she was in a dark place and she needed to do what was right for herself and her, for her family. So for her to be able to do that and now come back to the sport and have this clear head and feel like she never missed a beat, that she is ready to step back into the octagon. She's looking forward to eventually having a rematch with Amanda Nunes, looking forward to eventually having a rematch with Holly Holm. So these are all things that we can look forward to as, as, uh, as we get Misha Tate back in the UFC. This is a great conversation, just talking about her road back to the octagon, or conversations with Dana. Like I said, talking about her past relationship, just where she's at now and what she wants to do with the rest of her career. So without further ado, guys, let's get into it. Here she is, the one, the only, Misha Tate. 
here on Oral Sessions today, joined by none other. Freshly returning back to the Octagon, Misha Tate. How you doing? Definitely busy. Um, my mom's been in town the past couple of weeks. That kind of eased my transition back, you know, with the announcement. It's just been crazy. Like, it's been really busy. But she leaves today and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? Like, back to two kids on, you know, not on my own. Obviously, I have my partner, Johnny. But, you know, it's a lot easier when mom's here. Like, it really comes full circles. Like, you need mom. You know, when you're little, like my kids are, and then it's like you go through this phase where you don't think you you need mom or dad as much. And then, bam, you have kids and you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I am literally going through that exact same thing right now. I'm due in nine weeks. Uh, my mom is coming down from Canada. She She's going to be here in like a month. And I'm like, thank God my mom is going to be here to like right? get my life together because I have no idea what I'm doing. Is this your first baby? It is. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Boy yeah, or girl. Thank you. It's a girl. Girl. Yeah. That's what I started with too. So many blessings are headed your way. It's going to be a total, just an amazing experience, you know, lots of, lots of work, but it's just, I don't know when you just love something that much, it's not really like you can never truly be mad at the situation. Like even if you're exhausted or whatever, it's just like, you just get through it. You know, do you think it's better or worse to start with a girl? Cause I always hear boys are easier, but girls, I, I mean, I know more girl things. It seems easier to have the girl first. I have a son also, but I'll never have the experience of what it's like to just have a boy first. I think the only thing that I wish is like the hand-me-downs. Like there's like barely anything that you can hand down from like a girl to a boy. Like <laughs> everything's so cute and pink and frilly. And I'm like, I can't put this on my son, you know? <laughs> He does have some pink bibs, though, that I do stick on him every once in a while. And, uh, you know, he, he he doesn't know the difference, but I'm like, don't take any pictures, anybody, please. <laughs> and at that point, you're just trying to get by. You're like, this is yeah. serving a function. It is what it is. Yeah, I will say my daughter is like a second mommy, though. She's very nurturing and she's very helpful. So I think there's definitely a benefit there. I just don't know. I hear boys don't have that, you know, they're a bit more rambunctious and kind of active and spontaneous where I feel like she's very smart. She speaks really well and she's a little nurturer. So she's very sweet to her brother and very loving. So I think it works. I think it works out really well having a girl first. That's what I'm banking on. I said that to my husband. I was like, at least, you know, when we have the second one, whenever that happens, she'll be ready. She'll be like a good little assistant. Exactly. 100%. (laughs) Um, Actually, you guys train at the same gym. He works out at Extreme Couture as well. How's your training been going? Oh, really? You, who is your husband? He's a professional wrestler with all elite wrestling. He wrestles as John Moxley. He trains with um, Gil Guidardo. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, training's been going great. I feel like, like I've been back at this for longer than I announced, right? Because I wanted to make sure like after having my two kids that I could be on that level again. Right. I mean, it's like a serious quest. It's not just like, it's one thing to just say, Oh, I want to fight again. It's a whole other ball game to get on that level. So like, I've been going at this for, you know, for a few months and I feel like I'm ahead of the curve. And I just went into the UFC performance Institute, got like my DEXA scan and like all my physical assessments. And they all say like that I'm well ahead of, you know, ahead of it. And they're like, you're good. Like you're already in like the range to make 135, you know, so you're really on track. Yeah. So like, I feel really good. Like, I feel like the preparation that I've been doing is definitely paying off. I'm I'm looking to be ahead of the curve and just stay that way. You know, I don't want any tough weight cuts or anything like that. So, you know, I just want to make sure I get down way ahead of time, but 
I think that's another perspective too, that I have now as a mom. It's like, I have to plan where I didn't really, I didn't have to do that as much. I was a way more fly by the seat of my pants <laughs> in my first part of my career than I think I will be this time. How have you been feeling since making the announcement? Do you feel like a weight lifted off your shoulders or like this excitement? What's going through your head? I feel really excited. I, I feel excited to share this with the rest of the world, you know, because I've been kind of keeping it to myself and, you know, truly like I, I knew that I wanted to fight again, but I also knew that I had like this list that I had to kind of make sure that I could accomplish these things in order to really be able to commit to it. So at first I just didn't tell anybody, I didn't tell anybody. And of course there was speculation, but like my gym, like nobody, I didn't tell them because I didn't want the expectation and I didn't want the pressure. I just wanted to be able to go in and enjoy myself and just see where, what I could make happen. And once I would realize like, Oh, I'm, I'm good. Like I'm really on track for that. I'm ready to commit, you know, 100% I'm, I'm down. And then we made the fight and it got announced like less than 24 hours later. It was like 12 hours later. And, um, then it was just like, man, this is, feels so good. Like everybody is really on, on board with it, like really supportive. Um, and my teammates had already been kind of telling me for quite some time, like, like you feel like really strong, like you have mom strength now and you feel really good. Like feels like you never left. Like, <laughs> so I was already getting some really positive feedback and, uh, I'm, I'm honored and kind of humbled that everybody is still so you know excited about it. I guess it was pretty cool to be well-received by the media and by the fans and you know, to just be able to talk about my goals and ambition publicly. So two things on that one, how long had you been sitting on this before you decided to make it public everybody? And what was on this list that you needed to check off to know that you were able to fully commit to stepping back into the octagon? I pretty much made up my mind, I would say in June after I had my son, I was locked down. I was in Singapore, mind you. Um, and the, the pandemic had really shut everything down. So I was, you know, like everybody else and that kind of forced slowdown, but I felt very isolated and I really started to reevaluate the things that are most important in my life. And obviously family and friends, very important in life. When you really realize that when you move across the world and then a pandemic hits and the borders shut down and the world shuts down and like, you cannot get there and they can't get to you. Like it just was really made me reobserve what is very important. And then, you know, time, time was just kind of like dwindling away for no real purpose at the time. Cause there was nothing that could be done. Right. Nobody was working really. Like I was working for one championship. We weren't able to throw events, like things like that. Right. And then the last thing is like dreams and goals. And I just started to reevaluate. What do I really want? I'm 34 years old. And it just hit me. I was just like, I just, yeah, I want to fight again. You know? So I brought it to Johnny's attention and I just said, what do you, what do you think if I want to do this again? Like, and he's like, well, if you really want to, he's like, of course I support you. He's like, but babe, it's going to be a lot. Cause we have the two kids now. It's like, I just want you to understand. He's always my rock. He always kind of brings it everything back full circle. He puts it in perspective and he makes sure that you know, I understand like exactly. Cause I do get a bit like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to, and I, I kind of get a little bit everywhere and he's always the one to kind of hone it back in for me and just be like, Hey, just, you know, just keep in mind, but so supportive, the most amazing supportive man. I'm so lucky. I'm like, I don't know what I did to deserve such a great man, but I basically decided in June that I wanted to fight again, but I had just given birth. So I was like, okay, well, there's a lot I have to do to even get like physically 
And also, you know, so to checklist, right? Make sure I'm still physically able to do this. Um, the, and make sure that I don't get injured coming back. That was a big thing because I knew my mind would be in one place, but my body would be in another. And I would remember how I would do it. But physically, it was going to take me some time to get on that level again. So I had to ease back in and kind of like pull back the reins a lot of times. Of course, there was a little bit of hiccups along the way. Um, and, and so I had to like do the right things, not get injured, get back into really good shape and then reassess. Like, am I still liking sparring? Do I like going to the gym and getting in those tough rounds? And, you know, what is my instinct? Do I fight or do I fight? Like, what is it? And I'm definitely still fight, like no doubt about it, but you know, a lot of time had gone by. It was a lot of time. It was like four years since I had really committed myself to doing that. So like, these were things I needed to make sure were still in line with like, with what my vision was and what what my goals were. So, um, and then obviously the checkbox of the UFC, like still wanting me to fight, um, still making sure my contract was in accordance and like the pay, you know, and all those things and, um, weight class, right. Had to pick a weight class. So those were all, yeah, all the things that I needed to make sure were in line with the vision and the goal before I could really commit and be like, okay, we're, I'm going to do this. And now here we are now. I mean, to imagine it's only, you know, three months away, for your matchup to happen, who have you been keeping an eye on during this four years of you being away from the octagon? Were you still closely following everything and kind of keeping an eye on what was happening on the scene? I'm a big fan of Juliana Pena because, you know, we grew up in this sport together. We're both from Washington state. We were training together well before women's MMA was ever thought to be cool. (laughs) (laughs) So years ago, like at least, you know, a decade ago, but we were training together and, um, so I've obviously always followed her, her fights. I've obviously kept up with Amanda, her fights, you know, her being the greatest female, in my opinion, you know, she's the greatest uh, women's fighter of all time. And, um, you know, just, yeah. Any of the female fights, I even really like l- love to keep up with, um, Zhang Wei Li, like what she's been doing has been, you know, Yuana, you know, Jay Chick, uh, Rose Namajunas, all those women, um, Valentina Shevchenko, but of course, you know, my division, I always have like a special interest. So, um, I just, I watched the fights and just kind of was quietly, you know, observing them, but, and not even thinking that I was going to come back, you know, it really wasn't until I knew until June that I was like, wow, okay. I think I really want to do this. Perfect timing too, right? Like right after you have a baby being like, I think I should go back and start doing this right now. (laughs) So crazy, right? But that's exactly, I think, I think I had hit my, my valley, so to speak. And not that I was like in a, in a sad place necessarily, but like physically, you know, that was like one of the, the, like the most I would have to accomplish from that point, get to get back to a high level athlete. Right. It's like right after I had my son, I'm like, not only do I have to get back into good physical shape, but I have to um, recover from birth. Right. I have to like have the postpartum period and, and kind of like go through that segment of just getting back into normal person shape and then accomplish all these other goals and not get hurt along the way. So I think there was that big challenge and that always, that always seems to motivate me to have a lot to have to overcome and accomplish to be able to reach my goal. 
even just like the importance of you taking that time. So, I mean, for you to retire from UFC, retire from fighting four or five years ago to now you being back in this spot. I mean, it's not this like six month window of you realizing where you want to be, but you really needed to take that time for yourself, right? Yeah. I needed to take the time for myself to, um, like I said, to really make sure that I'm just not totally crazy because I can definitely be crazy when it comes to the things that I want to do and accomplish. And I think most people would probably look at me and say, you're crazy right now, but, um, that's fine. Like I'm so used to being underestimated and, uh, people trying to put limitations on what they think I'm capable of or what I can accomplish. And, uh, there's nothing, more motivating, I think, than being underestimated, at least in my opinion, you know, people telling me what they think my ceiling is. It's like, you don't get to dictate that bitch. You don't know my ceiling. Exactly. (laughs) I'm like, I'm the only person that gets to dictate that. So for me, I think that that time that I took postpartum to just get back into the gym and recover and do all the things I needed to do. Like, I'm really proud of myself because I've come such a long way in a relatively short period of time. And I feel really good about where I'm at. And it just kind of confirmed it going to the PI and seeing all the physical assessments right there at science. It's right there in front of me, you know? So a lot of those questions too were just really confirmed that I'm doing all the right things. The next time you're watching basketball, I've got the perfect way for you to get in on the action for free. I'm talking about NBA in play. It's absolutely free to play on the FanDuel app and features all the fun of live betting. NBA InPlay turns every quarter of every game into a free contest where you can win real cash prizes. So while you're watching the game, all you have to do is predict the outcome of plays and game props before they happen to claim your share of the prize pool. Best of all, a new contest starts every quarter of every game, giving you even more ways to win. FanDuel is the exclusive home for NBA InPlay, so the action's always available right at your fingertips on the FanDuel app. The app is so easy to use and it takes less than two minutes to sign up. And it doesn't matter where you live or where you're traveling to because NBA InPlay is available in every state. Don't miss your shot. Get in the game and download the FanDuel app to start playing NBA InPlay today. What are you looking to focus on uh, for for Marianne Renault? You know, she's a great fighter. And uh, I think a lot of people will look at her record and just say, oh, she lost her last four. I don't look at it that way at all. She, she barely lost her last four. They've all been very closely contested. She's had draws and split decisions in some of her fights too. And then you look at what she's been able to do in like finishing Sarah McMahon, you know, she hurt her in the striking department and she submitted her in a triangle choke. She's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. She also finished Jessica Andrade, which is nearly impossible to do, but also another triangle choke. Um, She's got a really nasty guard game and um you know she's heavy-handed and it's like the fights that she has lost she she narrowly lost them she's been on the verge of being a contender on multiple occasions and she's like she just barely missed it and so i look at her and i just say you know she's somebody who is a lot better than what her record says and that's always a bit scary to fight somebody like that because i don't know if everybody else values her skill set the way that i do and sees her as tough as i see her and i think she deserves more credit i think a lot of people are underestimating her and i don't know if people think that i'm you know that i'm going to win this fight or not but i think from the outside right people look at it and say oh you know misha should win this fight i think but I 
and of course I believe I'm going to win this fight, but I'm just saying, I think she's a much tougher fighter than a lot of people give her credit for. And she's never been finished in all her fights in her whole career. Nobody has ever been able to finish her. So she's incredibly durable and she's got that well-rounded skill set, like where she's just good in every area. She doesn't really have a ton of weaknesses. Um, so granted, she might not be the greatest fighter that ever lived. Like she's certainly a very game opponent. So I have a lot of respect for her and I've followed her career for quite some time. And it's kind of cool that it will be her, um, her retirement fight. This is her last fight and I'm coming out of retirement. So it's kind of that, it's kind of an interesting storyline. You know, I know she's a teacher too, as well. So she's just, she's a neat person and I'm really excited to get in there and mix it up with her. I'm so glad that she wanted the same thing, you know, that she, uh, you know, that she took the fight against me. Cause I, I don't know, she could have, I guess she could have said no, or she could have taken another fighter. And that was a quick turnaround, right? Like they just kind of floated it her way. And then it was announced without you even knowing that it was confirmed. Right. Exactly. So it was really quick and I'm just grateful. Like I, I hope that we both can just stay healthy and get in there and fight July 17th. Like, I feel like that cannot come fast enough. Um, I'm very excited for July. I'm excited to just get in there and mix it up again. And I think she's a great opponent. Um, so but I, I, I really believe in myself in the second part of my career. I, I never had the support system that I have now. And that's, you know, it's my own fault. Like there's nobody else to blame, but me, but I was young and I was dumb and I was impressionable. And I, I thought that, um, it was better to, I believed I had been told it was better to let someone else, you know, my, my, my ex like dictate what happened in my life and my career you know, it was a very headstrong personality. And it's like, I was 19 years old, you know, when we met and, and started dating and I didn't know any different, you know? So I just thought, Oh, this is the way that it is. This is the way it was supposed to be. And eventually I just got strong enough to be able to stand up for myself, stand up for the things like I just knew it wasn't right. But when you're in the middle of the storm, it's so hard to see the other side so I just had to really separate myself from that and separate myself that, that kind of sep- meant separate myself from MMA as well, too, because I didn't know how to, um, to do them both. Like, because he had always been there from the very beginning of my career, very beginning. I mean, literally first day training MMA. So I just didn't know any other way. And now it's like, I, it's night and day, like the, the, my partner that I have now, Johnny, he's just incredible. Like the father of my children, he's all about me. Let me show you. Actually, I, I took my belt down because we left town this weekend, but I just want to show you this really quick. I'm going to pan over to this wall. My man made for me. I left with the kids for the weekend. He's studying to be an EMT. Long story short, while I was gone, he made this oh my gosh. wall here for me. He took all the pictures and tons of fan art and my belt normally sits wow. up in there, but obviously we put it in a safe place when we're not, we're not home. Yeah. We were gone for Easter weekend, but he put that wall together and he told me, Misha, I want you to wake up every morning and see what you did. Like you did that and that's what you're capable of. That just gave me goosebumps. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. What a good guy. Yeah. To see that. He's like, I want you to be your own motivation. I just know that you did that and you're capable. That's, that's what you're capable of. And I just thought, wow, he's right. You know, every day I can wake up and be motivated by myself. Like I used to hang pictures of other people on my walls, you know, and now it's like, 
wow, I am my own motivation and I am my biggest competition and I can do, I can do amazing things when I set my mind to it. And I've set my mind to it again. And I'm just very excited. I feel like this is Misha 2.0 and I will accomplish great things, especially because I don't have the things taking away from me that I did before. I have so much more perspective and value and um, greatness in my life already. Fighting is not, let me straighten this out here. Fighting is not everything to me. It is, uh, it's where I have my focus, but I guess sometimes the pressure can be so much if you feel like you have nothing else and that can be a bad thing. The pressure, when the pressure is like, I have to do this, not I want to do this. There's a very distinct difference. And now I'm in a place in my life where it's like, I want to do this. I want to dedicate, you know, 100% of myself. Um, where before it was like, I just was so scared to do anything else. I didn't know anything else, you know? So I've just learned so much about myself. And I think that this is going to be the best version of myself. You've been so open and honest about your past relationship, about the mind space that you were in when you were looking to retire from, from UFC and from MMA. Was there something that kind of broke the the straw that broke the camel's back for you to go, I got to get out of this relationship? Or like just like some advice for people that might be listening that could be in a similar situation and you're in the weeds and you're in the deep end and you don't see how you're able to get out of a situation like that. Granted, I don't think there's a one size fits all, you know, piece of advice, but what I can tell you from my personal experiences, I was in a really bad place mentally and emotionally. I was definitely suffering from depression. Um, and it was on and off for, for, for years, to be honest. I mean, I think it just really came to a head where I, I was, I broke, I, I just mentally and emotionally, I could not handle it anymore. I had, you know, after, you know, nine years of it. And it just progressively getting worse and worse and worse. Like nobody can tell you when is the right time to exit a toxic relationship. That has to be something that you decide. But what I will say is that you're stronger than, you know, and when you know, it's the right time to leave, you will make, you will do it. You'll make it happen. And sometimes that means that you have to pack up and run away in the middle of the night. Like, don't beat yourself up for that. If that's how you have to exit, that's how you have to exit. Um, you know, granted my relationship was not, um, I'm sure it's not as bad as some can be. It's not like I was like physically beaten, you know? Um, but I was definitely emotionally and mentally abused, like without question. Uh, you know, he would gaslight a lot. Um, he would do a lot of things to, you know, build me up in the ways he wanted to, just to break me down. I remember distinctly thinking that was, you always do that. You build me up to break me down. Like you just crush me. You want me to feel like I can't leave and I can't do it on my own. And, you know, and he would always tell me, no one will love you as much as I love you. I'm like, you know, that, that can be a nice thing to say. If, if you mean it, like, I love you more than anything. That's a nice way to say that. But to tell you, like, you're not almost like I'm not worthy of it. It was always portrayed to me that I'll never find that anywhere else. Like I better just stay, um, you know, and then try, you know, I tried numerous times. I probably tried for like a good four or five years before it actually ended. So the, the latter 50% of the relationship was like me trying to find a way out a lot of the time. And I had had an ex, uh, who committed suicide while we were dating. 
And that was really tough for me. Yeah. Really, really hard on me. Um, granted, you know, we were, we were together even just less than a year. And I think, you know, he had a lot of demons that had nothing to do with our relationship, but point in case is that when you experience losing someone that way, it is one of the most devastating and difficult things to deal with. And you have a lot of, uh, you know, you feel a lot of guilt that you feel like you should have, or could have, uh, done more that you should have recognized the signs, um, and that you failed that person. And I basically, I think chose to hurt myself instead of hurt him. I chose to stay in the toxic relationship and situation as opposed to leaving and hurting him. So it was like a slow death for me, you know? And finally, I feel I like just- women do that to themselves a lot though. Women carry so much of that brunt. We're like, we can handle it. We can take it. We, we absorb so much of that. It's so easy to put that pressure on yourself instead of looking out for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I don't want to sit here and just say like, oh, the whole relationship was horrible and that, you know, he's this awful person. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I wish him nothing but the best. I just don't want him a part of my life anymore. And I see clearly now the damage that was done at the time. And even though there were all these red flags and, you know, I had been isolated from my family. You know, my parents weren't a part of my life anymore. My family wasn't because I think it was difficult for them to watch as well. You know, they knew a lot of the abuse that was going on and there's nothing that they could say or do to make me see it any different. You know, it's just, I had to experience it and I had to go through it and I had to get out of it on my own. And I think when you're with somebody who does that to you, it's like they slowly kind of tear apart any support system that you would have to be able to leave anybody who disagrees or sees their true colors or isn't on their side when it comes to it they want to get those people away from you and that's really what happened and that's why it just got to a point where it was so difficult um it was so difficult oh my god it was hard but i i think you asked me the straw that broke the camel's back well it was it was definitely um, a, I would say, in a huge part to the fight with Amanda. When I had that fight with Amanda, um, he went to the fights that were the night before. So we, because it, it was uh, International Fight Weekend, so it was like I think it was Friday and Saturday fights, and I, mine was Saturday. He went to those fights. He showed up very late to my weight cutting. Um, and he was intoxicated and he smelled like beer. And then he bought, brought a bunch of these random like basketball players with him to like a weight cut, which if you're not, I mean, if you've never done it or never been a part of it, just let me paint a picture really quick. You are it, it physically in one of the like weakest positions that you've, you, you've ever been in. You're usually in a full on sweatsuit. You're laying there, feel like you're half dying. You know, you're trying to sweat out this water weight. You can't drink, you can't eat. And you're just going, you have to go into a place, another place in your mind to like be able to get through that. And it's not a time when you would want anybody around who may not understand that process, who you don't know, who may judge you, who may not understand that you're not saying hi, you're not being, you know, cordial, any of that stuff, right? You just don't want that energy to break your focus. And you're also trying to focus on, okay, winning the fight before the fight, that's the weight cut, but you're also trying to focus on the fight, right? So you just don't want detractors. And that's what I mean is just like, it was always like that. It was always about him. It was never about me. And then I remember I had, I had a really hard weight cut 
that fight and I barely made it. Um, and then the, I didn't get like almost any sleep. <laughs> and the, the day of the fight, he had organized this, uh, or excuse me, no, it was the day of weigh-ins because we weigh in the morning. I was so exhausted. I just wanted to sleep because I pretty much had no sleep that night. And he had organized this like dinner, um, with like friends and family. And he was like, you have to go to it. You have to, I was like, but I am so exhausted. I can't, you know, and he wouldn't let, he just like, wouldn't let me sleep because he was in the same room. Like he oh just would like, wouldn't, like so childish, right? Which wouldn't let me sleep. Like you have to go. I organized all this, you know, I was like, you don't think those people would understand if I said I had a really hard weight cut and I'm just exhausted and I, I need to sleep. Um, and I need to rehydrate and I need to focus on that. And he was like, no, you have, you have to go. You have to go. So I went or whatever. And it just, those things, like they just add up at the end of the day, it takes too much, you know, too much away from you. And then, so we separated shortly after that. Um, I think it was like a week, like not even a week after that. Um, so yeah, it was, and, and I, I, I did it when I left to go corner one of my best friends, Cindy, um, because I had tried so many times to, to break up with him in the way that was like face to face the mature way, the way that you feel like this is the way it should be done when you care about somebody, but he would never have it like blocking me in a room, like not letting me exit the room. So eventually I just did it just via a text message and shut my phone off because I knew like if I gave an inch, he'd take a mile, you know, and I didn't come home. I just stayed where I was at. And then I did a road trip back and I just kind of shut it off because I knew I needed the time away from that to gain my strength back and find my, my ground because it was, I was on such shaky ground and he knew how to manipulate my heart, manipulate my mind, you know, make me feel like I was a bad person that I was going to cause him to take his own life, that I was doing things like, you know, that it was, this was a horrible thing for me to do. This was wrong. So I just had to shut it off and I had to like, just remove myself from the situation and until I could really stand on my own. I feel so relieved for you that you were able to find a way to get out of that situation. I mean, and just seeing you now and seeing that you look so bright and energetic and so excited to be back where you are. I mean, talking about uh, Johnny, your partner now and your children and everything like it, it really is an incredible story to hear you having gone through that through the majority of your career to where you're at now. I mean, that's a it's a huge story, I think, for a lot of women around the world. You know, I hope so. I I don't wish any woman to have to go through a situation like that, but I realize it does happen. And I realize how uh, people who want to um, control and manipulate your life, your mind and your heart, I think when you are a loving person, sometimes you just get sucked into that because you truly want what's best for the person that you're with. And you you start to just forget about yourself. And, um, Yes, I'm very blessed now. And I always will be grateful for the experience because it allows me to really appreciate what I have now. You know, the fact that I'm with somebody who is not all about himself. He's much more about supporting me and my dreams and my goals. And how can I, how can I help you? What can I do for you? You know, when you wake up and you have somebody who asks you that in the morning, it's like, wow, like, that's incredible. Like it's, it's amazing. So I'm just so grateful for the, you know, for the experience and for the, the contrast to be able to understand what I have and really appreciate the man that I have by my side. And my mom too, cause for the long time, like for the longest time, we, we, we didn't have a relationship because of that relationship, you know, he just didn't want it. And so I, um, 
and have rekindled that relationship with my family too. And now my mom's down here helping and doing all these things. It's like, I wouldn't have that, you know, if I had stayed. You must feel so reconnected with yourself. I do. Like just to, to get rid of all that toxic, toxic energy, reconnect with these relationships to reconnect with your love of MMA. Like it just seems like all things are firing on all cylinders for you right now. I would say that's a, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. For the first time in my life, things are firing on all cylinders. Um, they're just so many things that I look back at my career and I'm like, how in the hell did you do that for so long? How did I do that? And I didn't think it was taking that much away from me because I would fight and win more times than not anyways. So I just got used to it. That was how it always was, that it was just going to be that way. And it doesn't matter, Misha. I would have these internal dialogues. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're depressed now. It doesn't matter like if he's been picking fights with you. It doesn't matter if you're crying. It doesn't matter if like he wants to talk over you in every interview and tell you what to say. It doesn't matter. You know, these things like you just got to show up and fight anyways. None of that matters once the cage door closes, but eventually it got to a point where it mattered. I just, I just was caving in on myself with all the emotional and mental weight that was just like, Oh, I just couldn't do it anymore. So I needed to take that time away. And I think if I hadn't, I would be in a much worse place. So I'm glad now that it's been the four years I've been able to really find myself, answer all the questions. Who, I, who am I besides a fighter? I have so many things now that I can say that I am, that I can do, that I'm capable of. So I'm not worried about anything. Like I'm just going into this fights because I, I genuinely want to. I really want to fight. I really want to be the best in the world again. And I know that when push comes to shove, when I set my mind to things that I can make amazing things happen. So that's, that's where I'm at. There's also something I think really special about hitting your stride in like your mid thirties. And I think for women in general, we're usually like, Oh, you're over 30. You've already hit your peak, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, that's not true. You hit your mid thirties. And that's when like, you've seen things, you know, yourself, you you, like, I just feel like that's really when you hit your stride. So it seems like such a cool time for you to come back now and to have this whole Misha 2.0 version of yourself ready to go. Like, I feel like you're going to fuck some people up. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel too. Amen, sister. Yes. I'm going to fuck some shit up. Exactly. I feel like it's always so like, oh, you're in, you know, you're 30 better, you know, might start be time to to hang them up no matter what. I mean, I shouldn't say no matter what your career is, but whether you're an athlete, you're somebody on TV, whatever it is, all of a sudden everyone's looking at the clock being like, uh, isn't your time almost up? And it's like, no, man, I'm just getting fucking going. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So that's how I feel. I'm 34. I kind of have a two year plan. I think I want to fight for two years and we'll see, you know, at the end of two years, I could definitely be ready to wrap this up. You know, I have the two kids now. I just feel so much more fulfilled. I don't feel desperate. That's like, I have to do this and I know nothing else. You know, I know so much more now. So I get to do it for the first time in my life because I want to not because I have to. So it's a huge different, a big mindset shift, way less pressure. You know, I look at it like I'm just going to go out there and I want to be the baddest woman on the planet. And I want to knock bitches out and I want to submit them. And I want to like, I just want to kill the game. Like I have so much to give, but if I lost the fight, I still get to go home and kiss my babies. And I still have a wonderful man and amazing parents. And it's not the end of the world. You know, all I can do is give a hundred percent of myself. That's all I can do. Right. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to give 100 percent. 
And if it's not enough, then, okay, I still have all these amazing things in my life. Like I feel, you know how full that makes my heart feel. It just makes me feel like I can do anything. I can move mountains because I have what's the most important in my life. And they're all supporting what I want, my dreams and goals. And we're for the first time I have everybody aligned with me and nothing taken away from myself. So I'm going to give for the first time a hundred percent of myself. You know, those hot takes you post on social media. Well, now you can win up to $5,000 when you put those takes to the test on FanDuel. It's a new game called Over Under, and it's absolutely free to play on FanDuel. So here's how it works. FanDuel will set lines on things like total points or three-pointers made during every NBA on TNT broadcast. All you have to do is pick over or under for every prop. Your picks could win you a share of $5,000 during every contest. FanDuel is the exclusive home for Over Under, and it's available in all 50 states. You can play from anywhere. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash Over Under and sign up now. If you've not done so already, please just do it. You're going to love it. Just create a new FanDuel account. And if you don't already have one, it takes less than two minutes to sign up. Then you put your takes to the test during every NBA on TNT broadcast at FanDuel.com slash over under. They could be worth up to 5,000 bucks. Do it. Age and location restrictions apply. See FanDuel.com for terms and conditions. How do you feel about Holly Holmes saying she wants to have a rematch? I would love it. Um, Holly's, uh, she's such an inspiration. Talk about a woman who, you know, started in later in the sport. I think she's 38 now. And she's just killing it. She's still just up there, just doing amazing things. You know, it's like fighting for world titles still. She's just getting so much better every single fight. So I aspire to be like that. I aspire to get better with age, you know, and, um, you know, I'm sure we will cross paths again. There's no doubt about it. I've got two year plan, at least six fights, and I'm sure Holly will be one of them. What is your reaction to Dana White talking about his concern for your nose? I mean, he talked about your nose being broken in your fight against Amanda and that that was something that was a bit of a detractor for you in that matchup. How do you see that coming into effect for uh, for your match against Marion? Dana's funny. So I text him after because he was wrong in that. He totally remembers that incorrectly. So I had to message him and like screenshot the dates of like when my nose actually got fixed and when... I fought Amanda. It, there was no correlation. I hadn't had my nose fixed when I fought Amanda. Neither did I have it fixed when I fought Raquel. I waited till I was retired. So it was in January of 2017. And I had fought Amanda in July, 2016. And then Raquel in November, 2016. And I got my nose fixed January, 2017. So I don't know why he thought that, but I don't know why. I don't know why that was in his head, but he's completely misquoted and, and incorrect. So I fixed it, but, um, no, I've really enjoyed having my nose like somewhat fixed. I've been able to breathe better. It was like a deviated septum or something. Yeah. You can still hear it. I'm still like nasally. I'm always probably going to have, you know, a not perfect nose. I mean, it doesn't matter if I break it again. It's not perfect right now as anyways, like I don't breathe that well out of it anyway. So I'm like, oh, well, you know, and if it, it breaks again, I'll fix again. <laughs> exactly. Just we'll go back, go back and get it fixed one more time. No big deal. Uh, okay, so your time away from the octagon when you were uh, being an analyst for Fox, stepping into commentary, how did you enjoy being in those roles? It was a lot of fun. It was definitely challenging. I think the things that I didn't like is that it took so long to do hair and makeup. Oh, oh my, my God. God. 
right? I'm just not that way. I just a waste of my time. Yes. I'm like, do I really have to do this? Like we really have to spend three hours on hair and makeup right now. So I didn't appreciate that. There were really long, like 12 hour days. It's a lot of work because you're sitting in hair and makeup, but you're trying to go over your notes and trying to get ready for the show. And you're like, oh my God, get out of my face. I know. And the guy's going to walk in like three hours later <laughs> and they're like, Okay, you're ready. It's such I bullshit. I hate you guys. I hate <laughs> the worst. There were like 12 to 14 hour days a lot of times when I would like come uh, do the pre and post show with Fox and uh, long, really, really long days. So I don't miss the hours, but it was a lot of fun to do the shows. I loved it while, you know, when it was taking place and we were talking about fights or breaking things down um, and interviewing the fighters afterwards, like, watching the fights. I loved it. I loved all of that. But that's the only thing I can say. It was like really long days, really long days. What other growth do you want to see come to the sport? I mean, to UFC, to MMA, what kind of growth in the women's division? How do you see that kind of progressing in the next couple of years? Just more women. But I think we're going to get that. Um, I think women are seeing this sport and they have been for a long time now. And uh, realizing that this is not just, you know, MMA, mixed martial arts whatever form you want to train of it, that it's not just for boys anymore. Wrestling's not just for boys. Kickboxing's not for just for boys. Like all these young ladies are kind of changing what used to be. I used to walk into the gym and I would see a kid's class and we'd be lucky to see one girl. Now I would say like, oftentimes it's 30 to 40% of the kids classes are girls. And you walk into a, uh, you know, a maybe a beginning level kickboxing class or something like that. And I'll be surprised now to not see at least one female, if not more, if not three, four, five, I guess it's just not uncommon anymore. When it really was, when I first started, it was very uncommon to see any girls or women participating in any form of martial art. You know, I just think again, it just takes time for these girls and, you know, women to have enough time training the sport and transition into being fighters, but you see it happening. You know, there's younger and younger women getting into it that have been watching for, you know, watching the women do it for years now. So I think it's just time really. I don't think there's any other answer other than time and opportunity. Now we have opportunity. So we just need the time uh, for the women to continue to develop and more to transition into the sport. Um, I mean, I'm just curious of this coming from the world of WWE, where we've just had this huge women's evolution. You know, we have women on the the marquee. They've main evented WrestleMania and pay-per-views and, and whatnot. But it's been this slow build to finally getting to that spot. Does it feel like that in UFC for the female fighters to be looking to get that big spotlight and to be getting those big paydays and to really be getting the respect they deserve um, from within? I feel like it was a really, really slow climb until the UFC took over, to be honest, which was in 2013, if I'm remembering correctly, is when the first uh, women's MMA fight was in the UFC. Now, I want to give credit where credit's due because it all really started with Bodog and Hook and Shoot, Jeff Osborne. He was the first one to really take women's MMA and say, Hey, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to make women's tournaments. I'm going to do all this. Then that kind of evolved into strike force and then strike force with Scott Coker, who's now obviously a belt, you know, belt president. Um, he took it to the next level and said, you know, I'm going to put, um, a women's main event over the men on showtime. And it was never, 
never been done before. So it was uh, Gina Carano and Chris Cyborg, and it was huge. The numbers blew all the previous events out of the water. And it just showed like there is genuine interest here. Women can fight, women can be entertaining and people enjoy watching women kick ass. Still, Dana was like, no, no, women will never fight in the UFC. And it was was that desire to want to have the opportunity to fight alongside and with and be the very best wasn't there yet. So um, it was actually my first fight with Ronda in Strikeforce that changed his mind. He watched that fight and he said, wow, I think there's something here. I think this this is uh, different than what he thought it was. So. With that being said, that was the fight that kind of made him change his mind to want to bring women into the UFC. And then after that, we got into the UFC and I feel like we kind of hit the ground running in the UFC. I don't feel like it was a slow start. I feel like it was had been highly anticipated for quite some time. And I think maybe he even waited too long. I think women could have been in the UFC before that. But when we did finally get into the UFC, it was like we definitely came in with a bang. Yeah. I mean, looking at the roster now and looking at what the lineups are, it's like when you go to UFC events or you're watching the pay-per-views on TV, it's like those marquee matchups really do involve a lot of the women through and through. So it's, it's really cool to see you guys have that spot and, and just be crushing it. Uh, Dana must be pumped to have you back in UFC. I, I listened to you on Ariel Hawani's podcast and you were saying you reached out to him on Instagram. You were like DMing him and texting him and trying to get a hold of him. Uh, and he was kind of dragging his feet on finally getting back to you when he was not getting back to you. Were you kind of going through your head of like, where else am I going to go fight if I'm going to go do this? Yeah. I was like, well, you have two options. I'm telling you I want to fight. So either let me fight or let me out of my contract. <laughs> I, that's really what I thought. I was like, let me fight or let me out of my contract. And um, yeah, he kind of just blew me off. Like the first, I would say like five messages. He just read them. I sent him on Instagram on purpose because I wanted to see like if he's reading them or not. Of course, I see the little like scene mark there. It's like every time I was like, what? Why is he not responding to that? He did respond. Sorry. After eventually like me heckling him. And I was like, look, I want to know before I uproot my family out of Singapore and move back to the U S like, that's what I want to do, but I'm not going to do that unless I think that I have a place with the UFC to fight. Um, you do own my contract. And then he wrote, come home, you know, just knowing Dana, having known him for years now, that was him basically saying, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. You have a home with us, but you got to make the leap, you know, show me that this is not just, you know, you're just talking or whatever. So he said, come home. So I was like, okay. So like we moved the whole family back in, in September and, you know, I was training from that point on. And I went to meet up with Dana, I think maybe in October might've even been November, but I wanted to sit down with him and have that conversation and explain to him exactly where I was at with everything. And then again, it was kind of like, okay, it's like, well, I'm not leaving this office until you tell me, like, are you leaning towards yes or no? What is it? He's like, I'm he kind of laughed. He's like, I'm leaning towards yes. I was like, it's all I needed to hear. Great. It's like, I'm going to go, go straight to the gym. You know, I was, I was pumped. Um, so, and I think he went again, wanted to make sure I wasn't desperate that I wasn't coming back as like a washed up Misha Tate that desperate to support her family. And I'm going to go out there and get my nose shattered. You know what I mean? Like, I think he really wanted to know that I was genuinely passionate about coming back and fighting. So we had a discussion about which weight class. And I said, you know, 145 or 135. I was like, I can do either. But I was like, 
at the time I told him, I was like, I probably prefer 145 because then I just wouldn't have to cut weight. Mind you, I'm still breastfeeding my son. Oh my gosh, girl. Wait, when do you have to stop breastfeeding? Do you have to stop breastfeeding him before you fight? I have not gotten to the breastfeeding stage yet, so I don't have a clue how it works yet. Yeah, so I want to breastfeed for a year, which will be mid-June will be one year. So anytime after that, I'm kind of okay with stopping. So I imagine when I go into quarantine, that'll kind of be it. Because we go in, I think, four days before the fight on Tuesday. And I think the fight's on Saturday. I think that's when you have to go in. So I imagine I'll just kind of let the milk, like, just stop. Isn't it super painful to do that? Can be if you're producing a lot of milk, but my milk supply has already started to taper down. He doesn't need it as much. So I think by that point, you know, I'll slowly start to wean him. Then it won't be your milk supply. Your body has been sending signals to slow down, pump the brakes for quite some time. So I think it will be okay. Yeah. So I think um, that'll probably be the end of the the breastfeeding. But so I told him, I I was like, well, if I'm going to fight, you know, before June or around June, I'm still breastfeeding. So I want to make sure like I'm not having to cut weight and have that kind of be counterproductive. So anyways, I said probably 145. And he also agreed. He's like, yeah, probably 145. He's like, but you know, 145 is a rematch with Amanda. I'm like, so is 135. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm getting to her either way. I will get to her and I will fight her again. And then he kind of laughed and I was like, okay, so we're good. It's probably 145. So then I just, you know, but now obviously we just redecided because I, they let Megan Anderson go and Amanda's coming back down to defend her title at 135 again. So now there's only two other women in the division. And I just didn't like the idea of being stuck in a division that potentially wouldn't have options or many fights for me. I'll just do 135. I'll just be very diligent about my diet. And now I have my thyroid in check too, which is, I didn't know that I was suffering from hypothyroidism for my last um, few fights. Like I struggled to make the weight with Holly. I really struggled to make it with Amanda even worse. And I was dieting so hard. I was so calorie, like low, really tough training camps, but the weight wasn't coming off, was not coming off. So I didn't understand what the hell was going on. And then I got tested and I'm like, oh yeah. So I I was like, something's wrong. He's like, there's no way that I should not be losing weight. I am training my ass off. I'm eating like a rabbit. I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like what is going on right now? Do they put you on medication for that? They did. So now I have like a thyroid medication that I take and everything's good. Weight, you know, comes off easily um, just doing the, the normal right things. And so it won't be a problem for me. I had that Raquel Pennington fight and that was not a hard weight cut because then I had already figured out the thyroid problem. So it was good. Easy enough. Oral Sessions is proud to be presented by FanDuel. You guys never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Uh, Why do I play FanDuel? I play FanDuel because I'm new to the fantasy game. I kind of need somebody to hold my hand through the whole process. And the thing with the FanDuel Fantasy app is that it's so incredibly easy to use. Even a dum-dum like me can make it work. And if you happen to be a fence sitter like yours truly, you guys can pick a new team every single game. You can switch it up. You can change your mind. It's all up to you. Ball is in your court. So FanDuel is offering new users a deposit match of up to 500 smackaroos when you make your first deposit. Just go to FanDuel.com slash cowherd for more info. FanDuel.com slash cowherd. 
FanDuel, more ways to win. One other thing that I wanted to talk to you about before I let you go, just out of mere mom curiosity, because you you gave birth in Singapore, right? Yes. So mind you, my experience also is combined with a pandemic, which is was just craziness everywhere. So my mom was supposed to be out there for the birth. She wasn't able to come. Borders had shut down. Then I was worried that they were going to lock the hospitals down in that like the father couldn't even be present. So real quick, let me try to give you this in a nutshell because I know I'm long winded, but I was supposed to do a home birth for my first birth. So I had gotten a midwife and a doula and all the things. And I had this mindset. I'm tough. I'm a fighter. Mental toughness is my strength. I will get through whatever. Totally wrong approach. I did not do the right things to prepare for birth. Birth is like, it's a marathon and it's something that you have to be in a very, not a fighter type mindset. You have to be in like a more passive type, like letting your body take charge, being less mentally present, just staying in a good place. Right. And I fought, I ended up fighting fire with fire, like you wouldn't a fight. And so I fought myself and I prolonged my labor for like three days, not realizing I had a three day labor and it was really bad. Um, it was very intense and it was just like, not, it was not a very good experience. And I thought never again, I went to the hospital. I got the epidural because I couldn't eat, drink, couldn't keep nothing down. Still wasn't progressing. This goes to show how strong your mind can be when you, when you fight yourself on it. God, I wish I had known what I knew for my second birth. So second birth, I totally went about it the other way around. I did yoga. I did hypnobirthing. I did um, meditating. Like I did everything. I meditated every day. I did all these great things. Then we were supposed to go to the hospital for that birth because I'm like, look, they didn't, you know, weren't even allowing people to come over to like be midwives and things like that and doulas. And that's not even a very prevalent concept to begin with in Singapore. So I was in such a good place mentally by the time that the birth started that my body just reacted. I was like, Oh, I I felt like I was high almost. Like I literally, I swear to God, euphoric, like between my contractions, we call them surges. I was producing so many endorphins, which is a natural pain blocker. So like by science, this is scientific, you produce those endorphins and it gives the receiving docs are taken up by the endorphins. Right. So the pain cannot connect, can't make the connection. It's really important that you're in a good headspace. So I was like, babe, I think we need to go to the hospital. He starts, you know, running around getting all this stuff together. Then between each contraction, he would come and he would give me like the soft touch, the soft tickles to help me do get the endorphins. Right. (laughs) And then, and then then I got to a point, I was like, I cannot walk. I was like, I can't go anywhere. We're not, we're not leaving. And I ended up having him on the, in the bathroom at home. Just the two of you? Just the two of us. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. But it was incredible. It was like the most amazing experience. And I was so proud of myself to be able to do it. Cause the first time I, in my opinion, I failed, you know, I thought like, I will never try that again. Cause that was just too much. Like, I don't know how women do it. Then I really busted my butt to be prepared for it in a different way and go into a relaxed state. It was incredible. It was the best thing. Like nobody should ever fear natural childbirth. Like if you want to try it or whatever, like you can, the mind is amazing. It can do amazing things. So I've had both experiences and, uh, it was incredible. Just the two of us. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Oh my gosh. So you have the baby at home and then like, did you guys just like cut the umbilical cord and do all that stuff all on your own? 
No. So we went to the hospital to deliver the placenta. So after the baby was born, yeah, we just like wrapped up in towels and we went to the the hospital and I was able to move like immediately, like get up and walk and I was okay. It was just such an incredible experience. (laughs) That's wild. Wow. Well, good for you. Damn. Get it, girl. All things Misha Tate, things are working out for you right now. This past year has been like, you're doing it. Um, well, Misha, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I really enjoy getting to catch up with you and just so cool to see you in such an amazing headspace as you're heading into this matchup um, coming up in July. Again, we're all so excited to see this um, and yeah, just really happy for you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm over the moon with excitement and I can't wait to deliver an epic performance on July 17th and just set those dreams in motion. So the day can't come soon enough. I'm excited to release. Hell yeah. Time to break some bitches. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your day and I look forward to watching the fight. Perfect. Thank you. Bye. Well, a big thank you to Misha for taking the time to hang out with me. I mean, I can only imagine how busy she is to get back here stateside, be entering fight camp. She's got two young kids. Uh, Sky is the limit. You can tell that by listening to her, by talking to her. I mean, if you guys want to go on and check out the YouTube, which you can uh, see everything on there. Um, I've got my YouTube, which is under my name, Renee Paquette. And then there's also the volume sports. We've both got YouTube accounts and we're, uh, you can see all the video from these interviews, but you can see this glow around Misha where she just seems like her cart is on the right tracks and she is ready to absolutely demolish anybody that steps in her way. And couldn't be more excited for her. I love a good comeback. Hell yeah. Don't call it a comeback, but it is a comeback. But she retired and now she's back. So yeah, thank you to Misha Tate for coming to hang out. Um, Hopefully eventually down the line, we'll be able to hang out here in Las Vegas. Have a baby hangout. That's what needs to happen. Or she can come be my doula. Can you imagine Misha Tate being your doula? That would be amazing. I'm going to let John know. You might get the boot. I might kick his ass out and bring Misha Tate in. I feel like she would get me in the right space I needed to be in to crank out a baby. All right, guys, here comes the spiel where I tell you where to follow us and all those good things. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Renee Paquette. I feel like I sound like I'm at an auction right now. Uh, You can follow the volume network, both on Instagram and Twitter. It is at the volume sports. Give them a follow because there's other podcasts under the volume that I think you guys would love. There's a lot of really great talent, um, a lot of up-and-comers, a lot of people that are just busting their asses trying to make great shows for your ear holes. That's it for me. Thanks for hanging out with me again in Oral Sessions. Nice to kind of come up for air. We, we, Like I said, we did the WrestleMania thing, and now we just keep on keeping on with people kicking ass and taking names, and that is sort of uh, the epitome of what makes up Misha Tate. I'll talk to you next week. Have a good weekend. Bye.